On this week's show, the chairman of the Scaffold tells us all about their plans for the restart. Well, if, can't, if our level of football cannot get spectators in, then it becomes, it's not viable for those clubs to survive. And Seven Oaks Town Manager Mickey Collins gives us his thoughts on getting back to football. I think they've gone steaming in with, with not too much of uh, a plan, to be honest. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Online Podcast brought to you in association with Workforce Dimensions Limited. Here we are the 28th of July and still we go on. It's like some sort of mantra about the podcast at the moment as we uh, as we keep on going. Uh, but as always, I'm John Phipps and on the line now is a man who has now survived one year for every minute of the first half. Mr Matt Gerrard, how was your birthday? Yes, uh, not too bad. Nothing too exciting. I've uh, got a Stranger Things t-shirt. There you go, which I'm wearing now. So if you like Stranger Things, so from my family. Uh, that was it, really. Nothing. Uh, I was working. Uh, the kids were out and about. My wife was working. So spin around the block. Nice dinner. We made a nice uh, stir fry, pint of Peroni. And that's it. Then back on. But to be honest, I, on, um, I woke up on Monday and actually forget it was my birthday. <laughs> so, you know, when you get to the, the excitement of you know, whatever age, I don't know, what, well, you know, when you used to wake up as a kid being so excited, it's just another day now, isn't it? So, but, so that very nice, very nice. Yeah, we move on, onwards and upwards, and there'll be definitely one more pod next week, and then probably then we'll have a it, sabbatical, yeah. I would have thought. I would imagine so, then. end of the season show next week. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Talking of t-shirts very quickly, actually, you uh, you sent me a picture of yourself the other week, unsolicited pictures, uh, <laughs> which uh, no, no one should ever be receiving from an older man but there you go um of you with the biggest grin i've ever seen on your face and who was on your t-shirt that day mr gerard well i managed to get hold of my footballing hero is um david leeworthy we don't if you know a bit of history about david athletic well, i'll bore you with it he cost fifty thousand pounds back in august 1993 um when we first season in the in the conference as it once was then and he was like that was a record signing and he came in and he was basically the greatest player ever to wear a football shirt. And I always had a picture of him at university, signed photo that I had on the wall that I used to worship. And, you know, there's a, used as a cult, cult zero, I think it is, a T-shirt company that you can get footballers put on there. And I contacted them saying, can you get David Leeworthy? Because unsurprisingly, nobody else had ever said they wanted it. And they sent it to me. So I have got a picture with David Leeworthy's um, face on a T-shirt. So you can have wordings on it. But um, my theory was... It, if you know who he is, you have respect. So um, I don't need to re- register who he is. So, yes, I have got a picture of David Lee Worthy on my shirt. My wife looks at it and gets, well, she, her words was, who the hell is that? That was her <laughs> words. So, uh, exactly. Yeah. So, unsurprisingly, yeah, she just looks at me and sort of things from there. But again, I would, I've never met David Lee Worthy. I've never spoken to him. But if I did, I would be a, a quivering wreck. So, and I would say, you're the greatest man in the world. Thank you. Um, I've never seen any striker, but looks a striker. You just knew he was going to score. He's one of those players. You know, he's going, through a goal, that's all right, goal. And I always remember, I've probably said this before, he left when I was in Australia. So I was a bit, we were doing, I was heartbroken, basically, because I was in Australia. That We sold him to Ruston and Diamonds, a club, another club on my list, John. Yeah. And um, but then we came back uh, and the following season, he went to Kingstonian. And the second game of the season, we went to Kingstonian and we lost 4-1. Uh, and he got a hat-trick against us. And I cheered every goal he scored. Like it was a Dover goal because he's just my hero. So, so yeah. Uh, 50K, is he is he still Dover's record signing? Yeah. Well, if I live to 145, I'm sure it'll still be Dover's record <laughs> signing at 50k. So, but back in the day, 50k in 1993. 
it was amazing. I, I did look. I think it's worth about 120,000 now. That's, I mean, that is an astonishing amount of money for a non-league team to be paying out 50 grand. I mean, even now, if you see a 50 grand sign, and, and it is a really funny thing because obviously at the top level, transfer fees have gone ballistic, but at the lower level, they seem to have stopped, don't they? I mean, like, you know, the, the, the days of teams in League One shelling out 500, 600 grand willy-nilly are, are long gone, I think. And, and that's, that's a really interesting sort of microcosm of how football's changed in the past 27 years yeah well when i found out that david sold alfie pavia and i found a figure i went bloody hell they're paying <laughs> that man money and that wasn't anywhere near 50 grand so that probably shows how it is yes absolutely um no, yes well, again that's it's, if you ever see me about i'll probably be wearing my my david, my david lee worthy shirt and i know I've, and i contacted a couple of other david fans who i know like him and they've bought the shirt as well so I've been making business for that other business, that company as well. Plenty of um, of losers then uh, wearing <laughs> David Lee Worthy uh, T-shirts. Uh, obviously, we've got another uh, packed show for this week. I haven't actually had time to write a script because I'm really busy here. But uh, fortunately, we've got two absolutely belting interviews for you. Um, so it's our 132nd episode. Uh, it is the sixth Catalan number. Uh, I haven't got no idea what that means. I'm not even going to look it up. And to be honest, I'm getting a bit bored of these number things. I want something exciting. Someone do something exciting for 133 between now and next week, please. I, I don't care. Listeners, one of you just go and do something 133 times. Uh, I don't care if it's hopping, skipping, uh, waving your David Lee Worthy T-shirt around your head 133 times. Just do something. Send us a tweet and we'll give you a shout out uh, on our season finale show next week. Uh, on with the football then. And of course, uh, we have to start with a fantastic result again uh, for Dartford. We said they'd be doing it the hard way, two away games. Well, they've won two away games. Now they've got a third. Weymouth away on Saturday. I think that's going to be tough as well. But then having Waterlooville should have been tough. Absolutely nothing to fear for the darts, is there? No, I saw they were 1-0 down early doors. And then they man sent off. And you think that put right on the half time, that probably paid right into Steve King's thinking, give them that little bit of boost. And then Darren McQueen. Um, think about Darren McQueen. He's been at absolute Sutton. He did quite well for absolute when they got promoted. But for when he's been at Dartford, again, he's a finisher. So uh, big things were expected of him, weren't they, at um, uh, when he was at Ebsley. Didn't really kick on. Sutton didn't work out for him, but he's done there too. Um, goal one was a penalty, a cool penalty, but an unbelievable result for Dartford. Now, if if there's belief there, um, you have to say that they've got a chance. You know, Weymouth are 2-0 up, 2-2. Admittedly, they got a last-minute winner, but maybe they're, they're there to be get out and all the pressure will be on Weymouth because Dartford are going to come in this knowing if they won three away games, they get promoted. And if they do that, you know, we'd have to give them a round of applause. I don't know what they how they got on against Weymouth in the league. Weymouth, again, Weymouth's one of those places that if a crowd was there, it'll be tough, you know, because Weymouth quite well supported, vociferous, tight little ground. But Dartford going there, absolutely no pressure on them. And I think they're going to do it, John. I seem to remember McQueen being very highly rated as a youngster, actually. And looking mm. at his career, he was at Tottenham as a very young lad. And I've got a feeling that I saw him play for a Tottenham eleven against Chelmsford City uh, back in the day when I covered them. And he looked a real live wire. Then he went to Ipswich and obviously didn't quite work out for him there. But he's built a solid career. And uh, I've just discovered that he actually uh, has won the Golden Boot for the National League South, uh, sharing it with Jonah Ayunga and of, of having a Waterlooville and Joe Iacofano of St Albans. All got 17 goals. He's done that very quietly, Darren McQueen, really, hasn't he? Yeah, I've... 
I think he was he was he at Dartford at the start of the season. I can't remember or did they bring him in from Sutton as well. But I know it didn't really work out for him at Sutton. Uh, from that, Iunga's apparently going off to Bristol Rovers. So if he scores 17 goals in the uh, National League South, league clubs would be looking at him. So big game. And what I like about Steve King, tactically, he, he's spot on because he looked at the side. You know what haven't they? Sheringham didn't play. Probably thought, look at the back four they've got there. Not the quickest bring in the sharper little players and it worked into their thing. So tactically, Dartford will go to Weymouth and I'm sure Steve King knows how to beat Weymouth. So again, you're flipping a coin, aren't you? But they've done this far. Those two wins, the confidence must be sky high. So fingers crossed they can do it and we can get another Kent side in the National League. Talking in the National League, John. Yes. I read somewhere, I don't know how this was, that Joe Macclesfield are waiting on the thing with the, they're appealing, or Stephen, are you appealing Macclesfield staying up? Yes. There could be a thought, I don't know how true this is, this was on social media, that Macclesfield lose their appeal, they're coming to the National League, but they can't, but the National League might say, well, I don't think you should come into these because you haven't done this. They then relegate them to National League North. Wow. And you know who stays up then. Really? I don't know how true this is. I read it on... What's the story it, it, you're telling me, Matt Gerard? I'm, I'm well, loving that, it. Might be, that might not be true, but that's a thread that um, there have been... I'm sure like Boston, wouldn't it? Boston could come out. They were in the... They got chucked out of the Football League or relegated, and they went straight to the North, didn't they? Because they had financial obligations. I've said it before. The National League, the, the or the level that Dover are at, is the hardest bloody league to get into because they want certain assurances about finances. They want stadiums that possibly they don't actually need to be as big as they are. I think it genuinely is, it's harder to get to be approved to be in the National League than it is the Football League these days. Yeah, so I, I don't know, this could be complete, somebody just making this up. I love it. It could, could that, could that, so that, of course, Epsley would then, if they demote them two leagues, but again, but the thing is, the key thing on this, you, you haven't had the uh, National League AGM yet, which is always kicks off, you know, <laughs> rumors, they? oh, they've been chucked out, they can't do this, they can't do that. So could we? Could we? Okay, I don't know if um, um, yeah, the uh, CEO is listening to the programme. If he is, is this true? Is it, have you heard anything? But that it could be pie in the sky. But I have read that somewhere that okay, but the football league. I don't know where Macclesfield's appeal is. They need to sort it out quick. If football league starting, of course. But could could Macclesfield go down two leagues? That is a great story, and uh, we will. It could we... be complete. You can, you can beat that out. <laughs> But that's what I've read somewhere. Well, that's fascinating. So uh, thanks for. But back Damien, to Dartford quickly. Damien, before... the absolute, um, yes. Hello, Yes. Um, but back on the darts very quickly. Uh, they only played Weymouth once in the regular right. season. Uh, a three-one defeat at the Bob Lucas Stadium. Uh, however, it was in August. Right. Uh, so that was in the uh, the the pre-Steve King days. And apparently. Um, the Terrors do have a good record against the Darts. They've won uh, five and they've won five of the last seven, uh, but they hadn't met since 1997 until that game uh, on August the 17th. Um, a one o'clock kickoff on Saturday down at the Bob Lucas Stadium. Uh, I briefly entertained the idea that I could go to that. And then I looked at just how far it was and realised I'd have to leave at like nine o'clock in order to have any chance of getting there on time. So uh, I won't be going, but I will definitely be keeping an, a close eye on it. And, as we kind of said, they had nothing to fear uh, when they went to to 
uh, Slough won that game. Nothing to fear when they went to Haven and Waterlooville. And now they've got absolutely nothing to lose. It's, it should be an absolutely brilliant game of football. And we, of course, wish the darts all the best. Yeah, I was trying to work out, Googling now as we speak, Steve King's record in the playoffs as a manager. Because I know, he, I don't think he's ever won it. He's been in it about 400 times. Looking at his record of clubs he's been in, right? He's been... Lewis, he must have got Lewis promoted when in the league. Farnborough, I think they lost to Ebsleet when he was the manager. Lewis again. Whitehawk have lost in the playoffs to Ebsleet, I think, on penalties. Welling in the playoffs last year? Or nearly got in there, didn't they? But I don't, yeah, they didn't quite get in, did they? But, but I, think he's, I don't think he's ever won it, but he's been very, very close. You know, sometimes you record a podcast and then you just think back and think that doesn't sound right. And yes, we sound really clever there, don't we? Both of us saying that Welling didn't make the playoffs last year. And of course, uh, they lost in the final to Woking. So hopefully Steve King will end that hoodoo in the playoff final on Saturday as the darts take on Weymouth. If Matt Gerrard's convoluted Macclesfield story is true, we could be back to having four teams in the National League again, which would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, okay. If you're an absolute fan and you started jumping around the room, it may not necessarily be the state case, but that's what I've, what I've heard. And um, anything could happen with Macclesfield, isn't it? So, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I don't know um, if you've seen my, my tweet uh, a moment ago, but I'm all for teams being penalised for being idiots uh, after it was announced earlier that Bournemouth are apparently considering legal action uh, over the uh, decision not to award a goal to Sheffield United, which subsequently helped Aston Villa um, get a point in that game. Uh, and then are going to say that they're going to get, uh, they want compensation because if that goal had been allowed to stand, they wouldn't have been relegated. Now, my own view on this has been all the way through. It was in the first half of the game. If that goal had gone in, Aston Villa would have changed their approach. They would have gone all out attack. They might even have won the game. Then what would Bournemouth have to say about it? I don't think you can start chucking around legal action because of a, a goal that was disallowed in the first half of the game. If it had been the last kick, then maybe. And I think the Football League should just say, if you're going to be that stupid league one, here you go, send them down another division. That is absolute stupidity from Bournemouth. I've got no Bournemouth League One club all day long to get rid yeah. of them. Someone was saying, someone, a friend of mine on Twitter was saying, oh, such a shame they've been relegated. And I remember talking about them on this podcast, probably not even last season, but saying, what is the point of being a Bournemouth fan in the Premier League when they don't play proper football? Well, they play decent football, but they just have got no players you can really feel any sort of affinity to. They don't show any interest in the Cups and they're happy to finish 14th. What What's the point? So now they've got what they deserve, I think, and uh, back in the Championship. And probably just going to be Bournemouth fans out there, but um, that's really got my goat this week. Everyone's saying, oh, well, Hawkeye's relegated Bournemouth. No, Bournemouth not getting enough points over the course of 38 games is what has caused them to be relegated. Uh, from the Premier League. Anyway, you don't listen to uh, this show to hear us talk about the Premier League. You hear us talk about non-league football in Kent. And uh, obviously, we were all getting a bit excited last week about the the news and when things might restart. We've since seen that the National League are planning to start on the first weekend of October. Uh, and with that will be for the North and South teams. Their first game will be an FA Cup tie, uh, which is an interesting uh, conundrum uh, from that point of view. However, uh, all is not perhaps as it seems. Uh, the Southern Counties East League have announced that they will be starting their league again on the 5th of September. But that's not quite confirmed as yet because there is the big issue of whether supporters are going to be allowed into stadiums. Uh, that was one of several questions that I wanted to put to the chairman of the scaffold, uh, Denise Richmond, when I spoke to her. Uh, she cut very kindly gave up part of a little breakaway uh, to have a chat with us about that and lots of other things uh, that have gone on in the scaffold. So here she is, the scaffold chairman, Denise Richmond. 
has this been the most challenging three or four months you could have imagined? Uh, I think, yes, it has. They, um, you, you would probably envisage when we had the first weekend of March, when we we actually went ahead and played games and a lot of leagues didn't, that we'd have actually got this far into the year without having kickball again and even to sort of be not really knowing when we're going to start next season. Um, is even though we've got the, the start date, that that's dependent on various things anyway. But it, it certainly, and some of the decisions and um, the outcomes and reports from the FA have, have required some interpretation. So, yeah, that's a fair comment. I suppose it's difficult for you, isn't it? Because you, a lot of it is the FA, and most of it's been taken out of your hands, hasn't it? Pretty much fun actually because initially obviously we could postpone because people were concerned but then when the, the, the government lockdown came then, then that's it you can't do it and any any decisions that are made further along it, it talks down to the FA and the leagues committee um, and other represent other leagues within the national league system because it becomes a common uh, it becomes a, 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 a not common it becomes a vote for, for everybody to take part in um, so it's, it's the majority that rule rather than we as a league making our own decisions I, I mean, looking back, I think at the time, if I remember rightly, you were quite in favour of, of finding some way of, of concluding the season because so many of our teams had had such a good campaign. Exactly. We certainly, um, I think we would have, I think it became clear quite quickly that you couldn't continue with the games um, and you couldn't restart the games because that would become a challenge for player eligibility, registrations and, and commitment. But it's, and, and probably finances and, say, and safety for everybody, to be fair. Um, but what we could have done is, I think, the points of the game, which would have rewarded those clubs that have worked extremely hard this season. And, and when you think wider picture than Scaffold, I think there was probably nine or ten teams in Kent alone that would have would have been in a playoff or a promotion position and would have, have gained promotion. So I think we were definitely as a league in favour of that. I know there was a, a, a bit of a grunt as well of, uh, when you did a statement. You said the teams outside the scaffold who, who'd worked really hard to get themselves in a position to get into the league, and they were robbed of it as well. And, and, and we see with Staplehurst, obviously their, their manager and most of their team have gone. So it does just show what a massive thing it is, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, I felt for them, actually. Um, and, and also for Rustall, moving between six and, and five. Rustall were relegated on points per game last year, but actually couldn't be promoted back on points per game this year. So I think, uh, you know, also there were other teams um, that were, had applied to come into the National League system. So you had a, a team, Berman DFC, who share with Fisher. You then had uh, New Hyde and Larkfield and um, Thanet United. And, and both of those clubs, but all three clubs have facilities that are worthy of being in step six. Um, so aside from your Staplehurst Monarchs, who had done, failed last year on ground grading, and this year had done everything that they needed to do off the pitch to get it right and still weren't able to get there. And that, I think, is, for me, that was the, one of the most disappointing parts of it, that they had done everything right this year and still couldn't get promoted. Looking forward then, as you say, that the start date has been announced, but it's all still up in the air because clubs at this level, they need supporters. And if they're not allowed to have them, then it, that's got to be a, a big factor, isn't it? Yes, it has. I mean, at the, at the meeting in June um, of the all five, six leagues, I think it was agreed unanimously that our level of football could not start without spectators. And whilst we have, as a league, set provisionally that 5th of September date, it's, it's dependent on, on the... Uh, 
laws changing on that if one for this description. I know that the SA and the Lease Committee have put forward proposals to the DCMS for allowing spectators back into the ground um, in September, so that was allowed out for the start of the season. But uh, so far, we haven't heard whether they've been approved or not. Um, I, we, I think that um, you're right. If, if we can't, if our level of football cannot get spectators in, then it becomes a non-viable. Um, it's not viable for those clubs to survive. I think the early rounds they're talking, the FA Cup and the FA competition, there is a share in prize money that I, I believe the FA Hope might help support clubs. But I think I'm not convinced it will totally because at the end of it, they are they, they depend on their bar revenues, their tea bar revenues. It's not just about gate receipts. It's about people coming and spending time and money at the ground. Creating the right atmosphere for our level of football. I think, I think the Premier League, when we've watched it on TV, very coy. And I mean, I know our grounds are a bit like that, but we need spectators there, not just, not just for the money, that's a way of saying it, but we want them there because they create the atmosphere too. And the thing with the FA Cup as well is, you know, the, part of it is the teams wanting to do well, but there was a chance of getting a big tie in a couple of rounds. So, you know, you could be facing a, a, a Hastings or, or an Ashford, someone who would bring a lot of supporters to a scaffold club. And if they're ro- robbed of that, that is a big payday they'll miss out on. Yes, it is. And that, that's part of the fun, isn't it, on, on an FA Cup game, is, is, is getting those those big draws in, in, in those early rounds that, you know, clubs have got spectators. So, yeah, it is. It is. I agree. And, um, I, I, no, no, decision, no decisions yet been made on that because they, they, we, they are still waiting for this DCMS approval. And I'm hopeful that that will come through so that they, 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 those FA competition games can be played in front of clubs. Yeah, fingers crossed on that one. I did also hear as well that yeah. some Step 6 clubs uh, might not have applied for the FA Cup thinking it would be done on league position and now they're going to do an open draw, aren't they, for Step 6? So there's going to be some unlucky teams in the Scaffold Division 1. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. We'll have to wait and see. We don't know yet. I think they're due out this week, aren't they? But yeah. Who's, in, who's, who's in, in the early rounds and who you've got in those early rounds, yeah. Yeah. Um, also looking forward, obviously the league is in rude health, isn't it? And, and I suppose that's why this has been such a setback because the, the, the competition is phenomenal. And, and I look at the teams in the scaffold and in, in the Premier Division and the players that some of them are signing. It's, it's going to be an absolutely brilliant season when we do get going, isn't it? Yeah, I think it should be really entertaining, entertaining enough last year and, and competitive beyond the league. I think, you know, you would not have expected Beckenham or Corinthian to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. I'm so disappointed from, for them that they didn't, they didn't get that chance to, to get promoted. It's going to be because I think people have, it's like a trial run last season. For now, as you said, people are signing players. When they're going to be looking, there are a lot more clubs are going to be looking to get that promotion up. There's still the two, two spaces um, this year up for grabs. So I think people want to make sure with much more certainty than they did last year. But then, best their plans and all that. Always work out today. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. A couple of incidents last year um, about racism. I know people were very quick to say, "Oh, the scaffold aren't anything," but it's, it's not your decision. It's not you, up to you to, to put penalties on people. But obviously, you completely condone any sort of incident like that. Yes, just for clarification, any anything that happens like that in a game is down to the has to be dealt with by the football authorities, and the football authorities are the FA and county FAs, whether that's London, Kent, or, or Surrey, depending on where you're affiliated to as a club. And they're the ones that have to deal with all that, not us. We can, if, if there are league rules that allow for um, abandonment of games. But at the end of that, 
they're not about that's not about uh, financial penalties it's more about puts and, and awarding games if necessary but more often than not you would you would probably allow it to be repaid but you should have to each be dealt with on its own merit and in the league we absolutely abhor any kind of racist attitude and non-inclusive behaviour it's not necessary we're playing football we should that we should be we should be complete on the pitch with the football nothing else You've got two new clubs as well with uh, Tower Hamlets and Ballam. So I guess it's a, a new challenge for, for the teams in the Premier Division. And, and obviously something that you don't get any say over, I think they just tell you. But it makes sense with where they're playing, doesn't it? It does. We, we, the, the, and, and teams have been allocated to our league for probably about the past eight or nine years, if not longer. So we don't get a say in who comes. And it is based purely on where they are playing. I think uh, it, it, obviously with moving to share with AF Croydon, then it makes perfect sense that we have that one fixture secretary is dealing with that ground share agreement. And Tower Hamlet moving over from Essex to Under the Water, again, it makes sense for them to be dealt with in the same, uh, well, actually Phoenix are in the higher level now, aren't they? So that's nonsense what I've just said. But <laughs> yeah, it does. We don't get a say in it, and it's great. We're at 21. I can't remember the last time we had 21 clubs in our Premier Division. I just can't remember fixtures now I mean obviously we're going to be we still don't know for definite when the league's going to start um, but I assume people are working behind the scenes to, to draw up a fixture list and, and when might we hear them um, I have to say I don't know on a date we've got our AGM this coming Friday um, Matthew is obviously a fixture secretary he's working behind the scenes on that and he's had some kind of provision in his mind uh, I think he's probably been thinking about it all somewhere truthfully depending on what starts and when um, but it's, I don't know we don't have a release date yet we might know more after Friday I think Matt I managed to pretty much cover everything that's ever gone on in the scaffold there didn't I yeah uh... Because my, my question with a lot of all this, first of all, they're not going to be starting the 5th of September, are they? Doesn't sound like it, no. No. So, and I know a lot of teams, I think there's a couple of pre-season friendlies going on and the, the people I know down at um, a deal of, of back training, etc. like that. Why, because why, I sent you a question, I said, if they could start on the 5th of September behind closed doors, what was the point, and it was out of their hands, admittedly, of actually cancelling the league? Because arguably you could have carried on, couldn't you? But reading about that, this 5th of September about starting and the Isthmian League on that, nobody's going to sponsor to start a league behind closed doors. And from what we're knowing, nothing's going to be played in front of crowds till October. So all these comments and excitement's going out and not going anywhere. And I'm fully with these clubs as well. And, you know, speaking to people, um, you know, Dover, they, you know, speaking to somebody, the secretary there, and he said the cost of putting matches on with the referees, it's just so much. You're never going to make any money. And it's a, it's a loss down for these clubs. And the scaffold seems to be the same. But a lot of scaffold clubs seem to be getting ready to go on the fifth. So it's, it's, such, a, it's such a minefield, isn't it? But right, I don't think you can start the league without anything because clubs will just lose money and then we've got major problems. I think the point she made there was that they have made... Uh representations haven't they to, to the board to sort of say well is there any chance that we can get spectators into these games because uh, that is obviously the the, the most decisive thing uh, and even with the FA Cup ties it's if, if you've not got a crowd in that's going to make things extra difficult as, as I kind of said to her there you know part of the joy of it is getting a big team having that big crowd in and that's financially that's a massive thing as well isn't it yeah and, and less bizarrely after these these cricket events, I see there's a cricket match going two and a half thousand. They're testing now. The government's going to 
as we said before last week, in a you know middle of August, say, yep, we could have people in from the 1st of September. But at a certain point, these leagues need to know if this is going to be the case. With the National League saying they're going to start the 3rd, well, they think, well, we'll start the 12th then. Because otherwise you're going way in for the end of May. So uh, it doesn't seem to be... Has Boris picked the October out as just sort of some random date that people could come back? Well, that would be an outrageous accusation to 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 chuck at our Prime Minister Matthew. But but again, the FA somebody's got to say right because you know we know the organisation that goes behind these leagues with the fixtures, the pre-season games, etc. Like that, will it be caught caught cold on the fourth of fourth of September? Well, no, we can't have everybody in. Or we're not going to play. I would have thought a lot of clubs would say, no, we're not going to willing to play without any crowds because of the money situation. So, again, I think we went three steps forward, but maybe four steps back over the last week, haven't we? Absolutely. There was an interview on the BBC Sport website uh, with uh, Professor James Calder, who has chaired the cross sport working group with government and health officials on return to sport. And he has said, I would be very surprised if we could get full stadia back this year. Realistically, we probably need a vaccine and a high take up rate of it before we can really see full capacity stadia. Asked whether there is a possible potential for that being the whole of next season. He said, possibly. I think that realistically we'll be under scrutiny for the next year, certainly this side of Christmas and probably for the rest of the season. But again, this goes back to something that I said last week on this show and something that I still stand by. When we're talking about full stadia, we're talking about 75,000 at Old Trafford. We're not talking about 400 people at Home Park. And, and this is the... This is the crux of it. You know, I, I think um, I, I've seen some ch- some people on Facebook saying various things, saying we might have to restrict it to 200, 250. And I, and I think those clubs would rather have those sort of attendances in than, than nothing at all. And, and I think nothing at all is just not simply not an option. Uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, the ways and words about it, you cannot do that. And again, when we speak to the, I hear the other interview in a minute, that he's even more vocal about this. So, but who is going to make this official decision? Will the scaffold well, the scaffold will not play if there's no crowds, basically, will they? No. Right. So, and at this current date, the 28th of July, things could change considerably by 28th of August if the government changes it. Then they can do it. Then what they from there? Are these are the FA and the league knowing something that we don't? That's saying maybe from the 1st of September that you'll have crowds in. Yeah, I think the difficulty is, is that the decision has to be made by the FA. It's not a scaffold decision. Again, like we discussed there uh, about other issues, which we'll move on to shortly. Um, but I think that the decision has to be made by the FA and it has to affect the whole uh, county. And obviously uh, an issue where I said there, it's all down to the FA is, is the racism. And we heard about those uh, those incidents last season that led to a couple of games being abandoned. And uh, it's something that we've talked about at length on this podcast in the past um a few months or so, and I thought Denise was absolutely on the money with her comments there. Yeah, yeah absolutely fantastic. I think the Scaffold is a really well-run um, league, and the you know the racism issues again out of their hands. Um, and I think if it wasn't the FA, I think they would have handled the situation what they thought was best for all their clubs within this situation. So, um, and I look forward to following what will be a really fascinating Scaffold next season when and if we can get it going. Looking around the scaffold as well, Matt, uh, obviously we've talked about Chatham signing, but uh, Glebe Braddock as well, Charlie McDonald, Jamie Fieldput, and now Frankie Sawyer as well. What a front line that is. And ominously, uh, I did see uh, the 
comment made of all oh, this is going to be great to see who the top scorers are and the Sheffield United chairman Matt Smith just replied to that and said we haven't even announced ours yet hashtag better so we will wait and see it's going to be I, I reckon there's got to be something here Matt that next season I reckon every time there is a nil-nil draw in the Southern Counties East League Premier Division we should put a pound in a pot and at the end of the season we give it to a charity what do you reckon sounds a very good idea to me very good idea. That ain't gonna cost. Ain't gonna cost us much. Like, that, that is it. That's like uh, one of those face-offs when the kids go and you know better. <laughs> so they bring out their striker. Wow. So it's, the scaffold's gonna. Apart from the, the scaffold's gonna be amazing next season as these sides up. We know. To, yeah. Really looking forward to it when it when it kicks off with the sides they've got from there. So. Um, yeah, I have heard two rumours about uh, strikers that Sheppey are signing, and to be I, fair, I've heard them of them. If, uh, yeah, t- uh, I will tell you when we uh, when we finish recording. But to be fair, if those two come off, uh, that's a very, very, very good uh, strike force for this level. Sheppard United also uh, saw their assistant manager move on this week, John Richardson. Uh, he's been part of the furniture uh, at Home Park, but he's decided that he wants to focus on his playing, uh, and as such, has, has moved on. I understand he's set to join another scaffold club. Uh, but Sheppard United, I, I just trust them to to do the right thing. We, we've spoken to the chairman, we've spoken to the manager a couple of times. Uh, they're just a, a great little club, and you know, I, I I don't think there's a club in the scaffold I don't like actually. But you know, fair play to him, eh? No, no. I, I, the chairman is, you know, he lost his main striker, didn't he? But right, what you can do, see what we can do. I look forward to hearing about those names, and also, um, also I won't tell you the club. Josh, you know, Josh, who was at Lid, we were following him. Last oh yeah, yeah. His nan texted me the week. He's joining a scaffold club next season. He's still at Maystone's Academy, Excellent. but scaffold clubs popped him up. So. Um, and a club that so I will keep an eye out for him as well. So um, you know, I think he really enjoyed its time down at Lid and it was sort of um a learning the, curve. Learning curve and the next learning curve now is to go into the scaffold and you know, as a centre half, he might have his uh, you know, his arms <laughs> full against some of those strikers, but even better for a young lad. So um when it when it's officially announced we'll, we'll announce where he's playing and I'm hoping that um I'm hoping to catch up a couple of scaffold games next season, but A because of Josh and I've worked with his nan and also um, down at Deal, I've got to know a few people down there and um, I'm definitely going to come and watch a couple of games. So we'll, we'll look, I look forward to seeing that and uh, I'll take the abacus with his job with all the goals going in. Absolutely. Uh, also this week then, yesterday I saw a tweet from uh, Seven Oaks Town Manager Mickey Collins saying at the moment you could potentially play four FA competition games in September, all behind closed doors with no revenue. Uh, you've got to pay the away team's travel, but the FA have also cut the prize money by 50%. How does the club's cash flow cover this? Uh, and I thought uh, that and, and his subsequent comments made me made it worth me giving him a bit of a bell this week. Uh, this interview, I think, is absolutely fantastic. He spoke so well uh, about about everything. And, and I think any excitement we had about, you know, yeah, football's going to be back. I think this what you're about to hear from Mickey Collins will really, really temper that. So here he is, the 7 Oaks Town Manager, Mickey Collins. Are you uh, quite frustrated, I think, about the, the plans for the FA Cup to start and, and with no crowds? Yeah, I think it's... Um, it's, it's you know it's a bit short-sighted at the end of the day. I know we got to get back and we we'll, everyone wants to get back to normal, but you know what? There has to be some level of intelligence thrown at it, and I think the way they've gone about it to to protect their their cup and competition. I understand that, but I don't think it helps clubs out. Certainly doesn't help finances out, and um, I think they've gone steaming in with with not too much of uh, a plan, to be honest. I suppose if you look at it from a financial point of view, and, and I don't know for definite what you're doing, but do players start being paid as soon as pre-season training starts? 
Um, no, it depends. Um, if you're a contracted footballer, and it doesn't matter what level that is, then you obviously have to start the contract at some point. Now, if it was a full-time football club, I would have thought that that contract would start the minute they start training. And that's probably why a lot of National League clubs are not willing to come back until they know there's a proper date, because they have to unfurlough people and then start paying. Um, now, contracts run at all levels. Um, normally, if you're non-contracted, then you won't start being paid until you've played. Um, so if that first game may be the 1st of September, 2nd September, whatever, then the players would look to get paid after they've been pay, played uh, that first game. Um, and then obviously subsequently weekly um, for their run in. So if you have a month of FA Cup or trophy or whatever it may be, yet you're not allowed fans in until October, say, um, then obviously a club doesn't generate any revenue. So how it pays its players is a, is a bit of a head scratch. Um, even worse, if you're a contracted player or contracted to a club, because then the club has got to honour that contract. Now, God forbid that happens, but let's say a scenario of, yes, you've played FA Cup games, you have won a little bit of prize money, even though that's been slashed. Um, and then all of a sudden there's a bit of a problem and we can't allow fans in because we've had a bit of a, a bit second wave. That contract is still honoured until the moment it's terminated. Now, unless the government step back in and offer a second furlough scheme for this, for that contract, that club's liable. That's a dangerous situation. If you've got a club with 10, 11 contracted footballers, that's bankruptcy, in my opinion. Uh, and for um, Seven Oaks, we've so, seen how you've kind of built up from, you know, the crowds were, were pretty poor before you came and you've really built them up. Yeah. So how vital are those supporters to the club and its survival? Well, long term, we have to have them. You can't, you know, at the moment, what, there's a lot of rules, John, that, that have come out that people are not aware of. I've read the 70-page dossier, and at the end of the day, because of COVID and because of um, social distancing, even referees and officials now have to come in separate cars. So automatically, your expenses for those people go up. Now, I know we're going to suffer, you know, four or five weeks of pre-season friendlies, like we do every year, but smaller clubs like ourselves rely on it. You know, we look at bringing a Dover in or a Margate or Maidstone, whoever, with some fans, so that, you know, we cherry-pick them. And I know it sounds a bit selfish, but because it raises revenue. Well, now, any friendly we have, not only have we got to follow every single guideline, but we've also got to pay those officials that are going to turn up separately. So therein lies the problem. There's no money coming in from minute one. Then you throw in four games of FA Cup, which is possible. And, and what people haven't realised, that's without replays. And, and the laws of the FA Cup state that if you're the away team, the home team can and be liable for your expenses, which is taken out of the gate. Well, that's impossible with no gate. Um, and the fact that the revenue or the, the you know the actual prize money has been cut in half, what are you gaining out of it? You, the only people gaining out of this is a is a is a, an organisation that's actually getting their competition off the ground because nobody else will gain. And what are the other difficulties that you're facing as, as a manager of an Isthmian League Southeast team at the moment? Because obviously you don't know when you're going to be starting. Is it affecting your plans for recruitment and, and, and how things are going to look? Absolutely. And, and you know what? I've, I've been open and honest to every single one of our players. Um, we haven't come in and, and offered certain figures because at the end of the day, we can't. We're not in a position to do that. The players have understood that. And we've lost one or two. Um, that, that's natural wastage. That happens. Um, but most of them have said, no, we trust the club and, and where they are. And, and a level 
of honesty has been second to none. And what we've done is we've said to them, we can't guarantee a season start. We can't guarantee sponsorships, revenues, because we don't know. And they keep chucking dates in. We're going to start here and we're going to start there. Well, that's great, but that doesn't start your revenue stream. So at the end of the day, we're being sensible with it. Plus, what they don't realise, I know the FA have come up with a little grant to help towards getting your ground ready. But getting it ready and maintaining it continually is a different ballgame. You get them four FA Cup games or three of them in an FA Trophy game all at home. You've got to make sure that ground is sanitised continually. On a match day, two toilets open, one male, one female. That's one person in, one person out every half an hour to be cleaned thoroughly. So, you know what? All these costs that people haven't factored in that are going to be there um, as soon as we allow fans into the ground. Um, it's, it's a minefield. And I'm just, I'm not sure that this has been thought about correctly. And we're going about it nice and slowly. We've been back training and we've been doing an hour and a half on a Wednesday, all social distanced. And this week we managed to do a little bit different. But we've had the company in that actually sanitised Wembley. And they've been doing a case study on our ground to compare the two. Um, and obviously it's cost us money, but they've been amazing with um, the risk assessments they've put together for us and everybody else. Without them, we would have struggled. So we, we've been just, and, and my team's been like the guinea pigs, testing it because we're all adults before the children come in and use it. So we have been so careful, you know, to the point when you step in our ground, we've got a face recognition camera that takes your temperature. If you're over temperature, you're not training. You know, everything is sanitised prior to the get, prior to training. Halfway through, we tr we sanitise again. At the end, I have to sanitise it myself, pack it away, and I take it. No one else touches it. Mm. You know, people are not realising what's involved with this to follow the guideline. And just to chuck in a month's worth of football with no money, hold on. You know, if, enough's enough. You know, we all need to be on the same page here. And I think all clubs need to need to understand it. And you know what? I think the National League are going to look at it, and they're probably going to go, hold on. Unless fans are allowed in, we, we can't afford to come back. And I totally understand that and I get it. And we're a lucky club, John. We don't have contracted footballers. You know, we haven't done that. So, you know, I'm always careful with giving contracts out. So we're in a situation where it's pay as you play, basically. But I've still got a, I've still got a warrant paying them players for a month. On the proviso, we might be allowed fans back in October. We might. So, um, hypothetically then, we put Mickey Collins in charge of the FA. Um, what's your decision on, on next season? Do we just wait until we know it's safe for, for fans to come in? You either do that, or what you do is you go back to the government and you say, look, you've made X amount of millions available for the theatre industry and, and everybody else, and you make that available for grassroots football. And what you do is you support them through it. You allow the FA competition to take place, and what you do is you turn around and say, well, what we'll do... We'll actually subsidise that for all those clubs to play in it if the FA still want to carry on. And we'll make sure that they're not going to run at a loss until we're at a point where we are allowed fans in. And the thing is, John, we're not sure whether when they allow fans in, you're going to be allowed 100, 150, 250. It's going to be based on what you've put in place as a club to accommodate that many people in a safe environment. Well, who's going to pay the money to be able to increase your safety to allow those people in. It's a, it's a catch-22. More more help needed from the government and from the FA, one, to make it a safer environment, and two, to make sure these clubs are not going to get hit. I'm really worried for everybody that we're going to start off and then something's going to happen and we're going to have to stop. And those people, those clubs that have engaged contracts are going to be in serious trouble. 
And that bothers me for loads of grassroots clubs from step five upwards that do contracting players. Um, it's a, that is going to be scary, and I'm worried for them. What have they put in place? Nothing. Just fling a date at us. That's the FA Cup. Turn up, play your game, go home. Really? Oh, we're giving you a bit of prize money, so that helps. No, no it doesn't really, to be honest. Um, worrying. It is, it is very worrying, and I don't think they've actually thought this through. Yeah, just finally, obviously, we talk about the, the, the senior men's team, but Seven Oaks is a big club, isn't it? You've got loads of young teams and, and, and things like that. And I guess there's a knock on for them as well. And it's important that everyone is included because generations of, of young footballers could be lost to all this, couldn't they? 100%. And, and the thing that we have to do as a club, we have to be seen to be making it a safe environment. We've got a thousand members at our club that participate without parents and you know, helpers and volunteers. So uh, we have gone over and above to make sure it's a safe environment. You know, yesterday I received an 18-page email from the club that they've had to put together because there's a slight change in the rules now of when you enter the ground. So it has to be a one-way system. You know, we, we have to pay for all that. We, we've got, we're still committing money to something that we actually not can see a sign where we're going to generate revenue back. When you're running it as a business, is and you know what you've been through which has been awful for you that's tough you know and we still have to make sure that when them kids enter that ground we know they're safe because football takes a secondary in this when it comes to safety and at the end of the day none of us are still safe and that's one thing we've got we've got to look at here so let's make sure we are and if we're going to enter back into football revenue wise we're going to be looked after to make sure make sure that we can commit to it and we're all going to be still safe the other side of it. Just a, a, a brilliant interview. Spoke so well there, Matt. And, you know, thanks a lot to Mickey for that because it is such a brilliant insight into life as a, as a football club during the coronavirus. So, you know, it's not all about a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock with this current situation to get it in there. Um, I know we know about Seven Oaks. We were contacted about them, how they were being sort of a guinea pig for um, this sort of system. And you could see that... Mickey, you know, he's a passionate man. And the, the core thing that come out of that, it basically said at the end of the day, it's all about safety. And these clubs have got his 80 page document or 17 page document they have to follow through, which is rightfully safe. They've got to do that. But if they're not getting any money from any of the leagues to help them out, you could have problems. And I think his point about contracts as well. Um, you know, if we started and 10 games in, um, you know, we have an so we have to lock down the league again for a while. Some of the clubs will go to the wall. So clubs have to be financially clear about this. And if they're not, and that's why they, they can't play games without crowds. They'll need that buffer of the money from this situation. And Mickey said it spot on as well. And I think he, he's spot on about the FA Cup. The, the, the FA seem to want to make sure that the, the competition carries on. But again, what, what we've just said previously with the interview with Denise, you cannot do that in this current situation with, with no crowds and no money coming in because clubs will lose money over fist and, and that's, that, that's just can't work. No, and I thought he, he just made so many good points there that you, to, to go through each one would, would take us hours and hours and hours on end. But it's just it's just so fascinating. And, you know, we've all just uh, say we thought, oh, it's really exciting football's going to be back. Uh, but the crowds thing is, is vital. But it's not just about that, is it? There is still... A virus doing the rounds. And, and I see this morning the Prime Minister saying there's concerns of a second spike in Europe uh, and everyone's got to be ready to, 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 to react to that. So we can't afford to get carried away. Yeah, things are 
brighter at the moment. Things are maybe looking up and, and it's great for, for everybody to have a date to look forward to where football's going to be back. But it's got to be done rightly. And the phrase is wealth before health, isn't it? And and that's where I thought Mickey came across really well. Yeah, I think he he he, he said things that I hadn't thought about when you listen to it. Right. Yeah, you can't have this. And I can't believe that these, you know, we said the scaffold out of their hands, maybe. The Ryman League said the 19th. And FA Cup matches before that, I just think it's crazy. And, you know, we've been critical of the National League here, haven't we, before. And what they said yesterday, it's the 3rd of October. That seems to be written in stone that it will start if crowds can come back. At least the National League haven't jumped on the bandwagon like the Football League on the 12th, yet we're going to start then. Because as we said before, there must be teams... League One and League Two are thinking we don't want to start then because we're going to have no we're going to lose money as well. So fair play to the National League sticking for the third to the third of October. But I'm thinking that all our clubs, unless there's a big financial boost for all of them, whatever level you are from grassroots football, they're all going to be starting the third of October. And the F, unless something miraculously changed that we don't know about, and and the FA are going to pull something out of the bag because. Um, it just didn't seem right to me. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, going back over the national thing, they plan to start the league on the on the third of October, uh, and as we said earlier on, step two, so north and south, will begin uh, with the FA Cup on that day. Uh, the final game of the regular season will be Saturday, the 29th of May, uh, with the playoffs going to be held in June. Now, Matt, um, as a Dover Athletic fan, you've had your fair share of, of bad turns, haven't you? Over over the yeah, years, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. I would suggest down. that you are the sort of club who will get to the play that get to the playoff final the year it's not at Wembley and your chances of seeing your beloved whites at Wembley uh, are gone because there's no way they're going to be playing at Wembley what with Euro 2020 slash 21 whatever it's going to be called uh, so I'd imagine that you know it'll be just your luck Matt to get to the National League playoff final and end up playing it at Molyneux or something like that yeah and they've got to be careful on this as well the playoffs then you look in two weeks who's going to go to football if England are on the Euros they're going to have to schedule it carefully, aren't they? Yeah, I, I did some homework earlier. Oh, blimey. Yeah, looking at it, if this starts on October the 3rd, Dover's fixtures, they'd played 14 games um, up to this point last wow. season, up to 14 games. And five of them, including one bank holiday, were midweek. So you'd have basically done a third of the season <laughs> by the time it starts. Wow, it's going to be there's going to be so many midweek games, and like we kind of said last week, and like Andy Hessenthaler said, because there are going to be so many midweek games, going down to three week, three days a week's training isn't going to make that much difference, is it? I don't know. I don't know. So you've probably got another what five Saturdays to fit in, so plus all the games. So you probably, I mean, midweek games you play probably six. So you're looking at at least nine midweek games, Lovely. and they've got to work that out as well. You don't want to be playing midweek games in November and December. In January, when it's chucking it down in minus three degrees, they've got again. We praised them here and we slated them in the end there, but I'm surprised they're going. But also, you've got to think about contracts as well on these things. Yeah, like Stockport they started pre season training last week, right? 20th, they'll have about a 12 week pre season, <laughs> and then of course, you've got to play the players as well. Then, so you're exactly. basically playing them a full year. I know it might be all right for Stockport because they now seem to be minted, but. Yeah, it's. I see. Yeah, well, maybe we're going to go be playing summer football. Then they said about this before, didn't they? Football should be played in the summer. Could that? Could this? 
go back completely round in Bring there. the catus. And then obviously you've got the thing is, is in the, the, the following season, 21, 20, or not the following season, but the season after that, the 22, 23 season, you've got a World Cup slap bang in the middle of it as well. So that's going to be a whole different load of uh, so issues for them as well. Stockport, for example, right? We're using them as an example. No in here, Kent. So if, you, if you're living in America listening to this, they could basically <laughs> start the 20th of July, get to the playoff final in the National League, so that's the 14th of June, two weeks yep. after the season finishes. Basically, next week they have to start the pre-season because then the season starts 1st of August. Basically, Stockport players are now 20, 365 days. There'll be no break. No. So It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, at least, at least the National League... Uh, we haven't heard anything from the Ryman League. They said the 19th, etc. like that. So... I'm, 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 the only thing I'm thinking is a certain day, Boris is going to say, yeah, we've had these two and a half thousand people at the cricket and the uh, horse racing. That we're going for it. You can have people in now, max up to 5,000, anything, go get on with it. And then everybody could get going. Will the National League then think, oh, we'll start a little bit earlier? That's the only thing. I don't see anything that somebody must know that October's pie in the sky and they've got a date already. I can yeah. only think that. I, I, don't, I genuinely don't know what's going on, but uh, it's it's just it is just staggering, and you know everyone's getting carried away, like we say. Um, but I don't think that m- maybe we're getting. But again, my other concern that I've said all the way through is if the National League and below are allowed to have crowds in, and the Football League aren't, then I think the National League crowds will the National League teams will be finding themselves getting bigger crowds than they would do. And you might even get to the stage where people are having to be turned away. And how does that work out? You know, because surely, surely every game is going to have to be all ticket next season. Uh, certainly at the start, isn't it? Yeah, and of course, then then you've got to have it. You know, clubs have got to have an infrastructure in place to do that, which is a cost. It's it's a rolling thing. I'm surprised. No, we haven't seen anything from League One and Two. We mentioned about Gillingham. You know, they are in Kent. If you're listening outside of Britain, Football League Club, they said they didn't we want love to them. do it. Yeah, we yeah that's it. But they, but there you look at their Twitter feed and they're going, oh, we're coming back, coming back. And you had the chairman saying, we don't want to do this because we lose sixty grand a game. So I'm surprised there's been no League One or League Two club saying, excuse me, we're not, yeah. we're not saying we're not we're not, we're not playing. Yeah. Well, we will see what happens when that gets a bit more further down the line. Uh, looking at other news around the county, uh, Street United continuing uh, to sign t- some players. They've signed uh, Toby Adebayo, Adebayo Rowling, uh, their third player to make the move from Eastbourne up to uh, to Ebb Street this summer. Uh, they've also signed Ben Chapman, a former Jules player, and Adam Meckey, who uh, was on loan there last season, has also returned on a permanent deal. But Michael Timlin uh, has moved on uh, after his short spell at Fleet. But they are certainly building... Uh, a pretty decent squad. Another team uh, in the National League South who also made a, a promising signing uh, this week is uh, Tunbridge Angels, who've picked up striker Alex Acrofi. Uh 15 league goals for Averley last year, and also they reached the FA uh, Trophy quarterfinals as well. Uh, and he's come back to Tunbridge Angels for a second spell. Steve McKim uh, saying he's delighted. He, I believe he's ready for National League South football and fitting very well with the squad we're assembling. Again, a player that is his name. I've known for, for a long time and, and certainly ready to kick on and, and, and score some goals, Matt. He's one of these players that, you know, he was at Maidstone for a while. He scored goals there. I think he scored a hatchet for, he's been around the Essex area, but he's always, when you look in the paper, well, a Crofie scored in, a Crofie scored again. Steve McKim's had him before. He's a goal scorer. So Tunbridge are 
slowly but surely getting a squad together for next season. And a trophy, if, if he's fit and he's firing, I think he's a 10 to 15 goal man that's absolutely imperative if you're going to do well in the league next season. Absolutely. I think it's... Uh... It's going to be an interesting season, and again, it will be one of those seasons that will start uh, back in uh, in whenever it does start, and we'll we'll have high hopes for all of our teams. And obviously, it won't come off for all of them, but by we're going to look forward to bringing you uh, how they go uh, over the time. So that's pretty much it for the football chat. Uh, One thing, Matt- John, can I just sort of big up Dover, my club, Richard Harvey, the Dover clip man. We did a he did a sale this week of all some shirts etc for the club to get, raise some money, and it it took the uh, a lot of people really enjoyed it. So. Um, Fair play to them. They raised nearly £2,000 for the club. So just selling old player used shirts with auctions and things like that. So, um, did they have any David Lee worthy ones? No, they didn't have any David Lee. I didn't mm-hmm. know. No, didn't how, much, how much would you have paid? Lee worthy 10 back in the day, super shirt. Oh, that would be phenomenal. Probably my wife doesn't listen to this, so I'd probably go big on that. <laughs> if I know the great man had worn it, it's sweated in it. I'd be either way. But yeah, fair play to Richard and things like that good way of getting I know a lot of clubs are getting the fans involved so that was a really good thing to get Davis fans involved so good work there Rich absolutely brilliant yeah we've discussed so we've discussed Matt Gerrard's birthday uh we've discussed all the football stuff anything else going on mate I've just got a busy B&B people keep ringing the doorbell and and, and it's not even check-in time yet they're just so desperate to get in right. so you have been busy then Really busy, yeah. Busy. Uh, we're full over the weekend. Uh, we're full fri- Friday, Saturday. We've got four rooms going out tonight, so it's it's going really, really well. We're really, uh, really pleased with how things are going. Uh, 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 and that's and people people seem happy. You know, look at the people in Spain. What a nightmare that is. People are quite happy. The staycation is, seems to be the norm. This work seems to be the case. Yeah. So um, we well, got people s- coming from all over the place. Uh, yeah, mostly. Mostly sort of close to town, uh, mostly sort of south co- along the south coast. A lot of people are coming from uh, a lot of people coming from London as well. Uh, but yeah, just people. I think people just want to get away. And if you've been um, stuck up in in anywhere for for however long it's been, it seems like about seven years. Uh, but if you, I think people just want to get away and see the sea. Uh, and we're lucky to have a, a, a place which is uh, very highly thought of by people. So we're we're being really sort of reaping the benefits of that. So. Um, Oh, it's good to see so you. that's good really good yeah, news. Really pleased. Yeah, so that's it. No, apart from that, nothing. Um, so I'm working this week and a bit of next week and then off then back again. But no, everything's A-OK. The weather's going to be good this weekend. So it was pretty miserable on pretty miserable on Saturday afternoon. So all I did was watch the National League playoff semi-final. So luckily I got away with that. But uh, yeah, I just, that's all I did. Sat yeah, did, you, did you see, uh, there was a tweet during the round yesterday. Uh, that hospital radio in Nottingham want to cover the game, the final, yeah. uh, and they've been told they've got to pay 500 quid plus VAT to cover it. And they're trying to get some sort of crowdfunding together just to make sure that they can actually cover the game so that people can listen to it. And I think, you know, National League are doing well there to charge 500 notes to cover the game, aren't they? Well, uh, why ever? We could get the where's and where's about of um, paying rights for matches it's a different podcast for that John and I'll get into trouble <laughs> absolutely um, we, yes there's certainly a story that we certainly shouldn't be bringing up uh, but we we can tell you things <laughs> if you ever see us off the record we could certainly tell you some tales uh, about uh, match coverage rights that's for certain yeah, uh, I won't tell you yeah, yeah. I won't tell you all about my charity shop visit yesterday let's just say it didn't go well um, but uh, I haven't got the stuff in the back of the car anymore which is the only uh, important I hope you have thing. by the road no, I, it's in the charity shop. They've got it. Um, 
but that's uh, that's as, as much as I'm willing to talk about uh, what went on at the charity shop in a public forum. Uh, but uh, it wasn't my it wasn't my my favourite ten minutes, shall we say? Uh, yeah, everything's everything's going. I can't believe it's August this weekend. Time it has just flown. I mean, we've been open for four weeks now. It's it's just the time has just flown and i suppose for you matt you normally have a big holiday in august but is, is it still going ahead we've managed to arrange the holiday yet so we are we've we didn't think we were but now we are so at the end of august then um, we will be going away for a bit so that's we should be nice before things hopefully september time with the kids go back to school it might be some sort of normality so um we'll have to wait and see but um it depends what else happens from that but yeah yeah so we're we're okay so um yeah, just plodding along, plodding along, mate. So Absolutely. we've done a whole year in a pod now. How many episodes? We haven't worked out how many episodes have we done when there's been no football. Oh well, we st- we st- I can have a quick look through now. Uh, I think we started we because we had a break when it first when football first went away. We, we said break? we would stop. Uh, so the 18th of March we did an episode, and that was episode number 115. So we've now on 132. So we've done what 17 episodes uh, since football stopped. Uh, so I think that's uh, a fair effort. And just for uh, fair for the record, people book, as well. If there are any of you uh, podcast uh, geeks out there, the first episode of this season was released on the 31st of July 2019, and that was episode number 85. So we've uh, certainly crammed in some episodes this season. That's what 47 episodes uh, in the t- in the 2019-20 campaign. So uh, I think we should get well some sort of that. medal for that, mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, well the got... big news, and tell you the big news, my my favourite pub is opening tomorrow, so uh, I shall be uh, raising a glass. Uh, will, to, will they to be a bit bored? Are they, have they had to rebuild the bubbles? I think. I don't know what they've had to do, but he just he just wrote on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram earlier. Shop back open tomorrow, uh, so I will uh, certainly enjoy going and, and seeing how his uh, how his wares have, have fared over the past few months. So that's going to be uh, going to be very very good. So uh, looking forward to that. And life is slowly getting back to normal, but as we heard from. Mickey Collins, we're not out the woods yet, so let's not get carried away. Let's continue to stay safe and look after each other. And uh, yeah, so we are now at the stage where there's one game left this season for for our clubs in Kent. It is that game uh, in Weymouth on Saturday, Weymouth against Dartford. We will bring you a reaction to that next week. And then we will also be discussing our highlights of the season. So if you have got any highlights of the of the season that you'd like us to talk about or something you'd like to share, Please feel free to get in touch with us on Twitter. We are at Kent NL Podcast. Uh, let us know your, your your thoughts, your manager of the season, your player of the season, and your moment of the season. And uh, Matt, you can also do your homework on that uh, for next week as well. And we will sort of look back over what has been a, a season like none of us could ever have imagined when we did that first podcast, uh, what, 362 days ago. Uh, but here we go. Here we are with it. You can also find us on Facebook. Get in touch with us there as well. Uh, search for Kent League podcast on there and you will find us. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at John Phipps 81. Uh, John is J-O-N Phipps P-H-I-P-P-S. And Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. I do feel sorry for the other chap who's called Matt Gerard who occasionally gets tagged in stuff that's meant for you, mate. Um, so it must be rough for them uh people thinking they're a dover fan i mean can you imagine anything worse is there somebody else out there then yeah there was someone i think he's a he's a matt underscore gerard 85 or something and the poor bloke gets absolutely hounded sometimes and a a couple of times when we were doing like radio show and stuff people would say i think you've got the wrong matthew it just replied you've got the wrong matt gerard and it was like oh 
but yeah oh there's a matt gerard 1985 so there are some people who think that you're uh you're a good deal deal younger yeah. than you are mate I, I did find it the funny thing is i was reading the story the other day in on the sun's website and it's about this girl who went to magaluf and she um basically got a tattoo of uh all these blokes names on her because they hang around nothing on that basically it was a long story was the blokes names were all made up and it was a lot of our rubbish Brilliant. so i read this article I think, oh, it was a funny story but then the um name of the girl was the name of my daughter and i oh, showed dear. her look if you turn like this in 15 years you get into <laughs> trouble so that was what made me laugh so yeah that was <laughs> names on that I just, I just, I just went oh my goodness it's the same name so Oh dear, well that's unfortunate. But then, to be fair, both of your daughters have got names that are fairly popular, and, and Gerard yeah. is not unusual. No, not not you. No, I didn't know. Not now it isn't. No. So, Thanks to Stephen Gerard. There you go. Well, exactly. there you go. No, no, it's good to speak to you again, John. It's been good fun, and um, absolutely. Next yeah, week well, will be the last for well, at least a couple of weeks. Sort of absolutely. Maybe yeah, end of the. It's definitely the end of the season next week. Yeah. So when we ne- ne- after next week's show, the next time you hear from us will definitely be the fourth season. Although we haven't actually discussed, are we doing a fourth season? Well, do people want us to carry on? I think they do, don't they? Yeah, we've come yeah. this far, mate. Oh, absolutely. Now, now Why got, stop now? It's only taken us 128 episodes to get new technology that we actually sound like. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. So we, what's, what I stop now when we're at our peak? Yeah, uh, yeah. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Denise and thank you to Mickey uh, for speaking to us this week. We do really, really appreciate it. And, of course, we appreciate every single person who listens and interacts with us. So uh, take care of yourselves. And we will speak to you next week for the final time this season. Promise. Boris is going to come out 1st of September. Let let everybody back in.